Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the offseason and welcome into Fantasy Football Today at DFS on Tuesday, March 8th. I am Frank Stample and I'm all alone, kind of. No Mike McClure or Sia Najad today, but I do have a special guest. It's been about a month since we did our Super Bowl slash DFS season recap, but we're back now. And here's the plan moving forward. Obviously, we've got quite some time before NFL DFS returns, but we want to get you content in the meantime. So we're starting an off-season interview series called DFS Deep Dives that will be released bi-weekly throughout March and April, uh, and once free agency and the draft takes place, we'll have some player takes for you. Maybe we'll get you some uh, best ball content as well. I know Heath Cummings is big on best ball, so might ask him to join the podcast a few times here. But the opportunity here uh, is to talk to some of the best DFS minds in the industry, which brings us to our first ever guest. And he is one of the mainstays in the fantasy football and the DFS industry. And you can listen to him on all of the casts, the Take Cast, the Gill Cast, and of course the Swole Cast, you can also find his work over at Sports Grid. He is Davis Maddock. What's going on, man? Hey, not uh, not much is going on. You know, this is kind of the the nice time of year for me. Just uh, you know, doing doing the things, the podcast and the TV show and stuff. But uh, it is it is nice to not feel you know completely inundated with uh with you know the. The, that 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 in season cycle where you're just always looking forward to the next thing like it does by by like week ten it just gets insane so this is the this is the nice time of year yeah I mean normally this is a pretty busy time for me as well but baseball's in a lockout so all right we're gonna we're gonna try some things we're gonna we're gonna have some fun I mean what does your off season look like right now like this point in in the football off season. So right now, it's honestly just getting familiar with all of these prospects, you know, running. Uh, I mean, I don't run any of my own models. So, you know, checking uh, Rich Rebar's models and, and Kevin Cole's stuff and just generating opinions on all of them. And uh, also, you know, kind of trying to figure out um, free agency stuff, you know, because I, I'm in way too many dynasty leagues. So, you know, trying to figure out how some of those things are. I, I sent out a couple trade offers for uh for Calvin Ridley this morning, uh the the now suspended Calvin Ridley. So that's uh that's what uh that's kind of what it looks like right now. Yeah. It's a very interesting situation with Calvin Ridley who, you know, missed a large majority of the season last year due to uh he stepped away from the game with mental issues and then uh you know apparently in in his time away from the game uh was was betting on football games and, and ultimately now uh, is serving a one-year suspension at least. I don't know, maybe longer, but it seems like the NFL just looking to make an example out of uh, the first person caught doing this. And unfortunately, it's it's Calvin Ridley. Uh, I mentioned you can find Davis Maddox's work over at SportsGrid. Uh, I actually used to work at SportsGrid. I'm surprised that we didn't cross paths more often there, right? Like, obviously, we both do a bunch of fantasy-related items. Uh, but make sure you follow Davis Maddox on Twitter at Davis Maddock. That's M-A-T-T-E-K. And... Uh, speaking of crossing paths, I hit up Mike McClure, seeing Ajad, and I asked, like, do you guys have any, you know, background, any history with with Davis? And Mike points out that 
you guys had one year of overlap at Kansas State. And he also told me that you guys met in a library on campus playing NBA DFS back in 2012. That was quite some time ago. Do you remember that? I do. I do remember it. So my first year at K-State, so I transferred from another college. So my first year at K-State was, I think, Mike's last year at K-State. And I had just kind of started playing DFS then. And I I think, uh, I believe Mike and I both were buddies with Jonathan Bales at that time. I, I want to say I want to say that's kind of how we got introduced to each other. And um, I think we both just happened to be in the library one day, you know, working on something. And we, you know, I kind of went over to his table and said, "What's up?" But yeah, that is uh, that is fun. And I also so weird. I just uh, online encountered another person who was at K State uh, the same time as us, who's like big in NFTs. Like I just met him in like a random discord chat so it's a uh, small world out there <laughs> small world indeed i mentioned long time ago uh, obviously a lot has changed in the nba dfs industry obviously uh you know, mentioned you guys were playing nba dfs back then but of course a lot has changed in nfl dfs as well and i don't want to compare like 2012 to now because like look that's a decade ago but david specifically the past couple of years i mean this is a completely loaded question but in your opinion what has cha- changed most over maybe the past two or three years when it comes to NFL DFS? I mean, look, to be, to be totally honest, the games are just hard. Uh, the, the, like, people are just very good. Um, you know, no projection site is that far ahead of anyone else. Um, most projection sites are sort of, you know, comparing notes with, with each other. Generally, a lot of very good players use aggregated projections. So, you know, they, they download projections from four different sites, aggregate them into one number and use that, um, ownership in, in large field tournaments is super efficient. Um, so that to me really, you know, the biggest change of the last three, four five years or whatever, is just that, you know, it, it's not enough to just, you know, pick the best players all the time. Uh, you know, the the edges in cash games, you know, head-to-heads, 50-50s, double-ups. Now, there there still remains a pretty consistent edge in, you know, lower dollar levels on on FanDuel and DraftKings, you know, $5, $10 or whatever. Like, generally speaking, if you're a, a pretty good player, you'll be able to, to grind out um, a profit there. But, yeah, really the, the answer is just that the games are, are pretty tough in, in NFL DFS. Play the best plays, says Davis Maddock. And it's funny because I, I feel like just paying attention from the DFS industry from, I guess, from the outside looking in, I, I wouldn't consider myself one of like, you know, the main DFS stalwarts in this industry or anything like that. But uh, it, it feels like you guys have fun. Like there's a lot of like bits going on and play the best plays. Like how much are you, how much energy and like time are you at? Like, is it just stuff that like comes to you like on the fly? Is it stuff that like you think about before you, before you jump on the swole cast or anything like that? I mean, we do, we do have a good time. It's actually, it's actually another running joke is that we, so, you know, we have a, a chat that, um, you know, that all of us are in for the show. And like a lot of the times before the show starts, we'll just be bantering around like, Oh, what do you guys want to do? What's on the rundown? And then, you know, Pete, cause he's the funniest guy in the, the fun, funniest guy in the world. Like he'll start off on some bit and then we have to be like, Oh no, save it for the show. Like whatever stupid thing uh, we have going there. But I, I mean, honestly, Peter has been, 
such such a great addition to the show. I'm very I'm very glad because he is. I mean, he's literally the funniest guy alive. I love that guy. He is amazing. Uh, I mean, I haven't really interacted with him much, but just again watching his stuff from afar. I mean, he is he is hilarious. I remember there was something I watched last year. He did a. I know he does like his uh, his best ball randomizer segments and 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 videos. And I I remember last year he had. Uh, who was it on uh, from from ETR? Evan Silva. He had Evan Silva on, and it was like the dedication to the bit. Like it was so, it felt so real, but I couldn't tell so if it real. actually was. Like, was that just real? I mean, if 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 uh, I mean, I I so I think that specific episode, Evan was like, I'm not gonna do the bit, which is then <laughs> then which then like brings Peter to like, no, if you don't want to do the bit, like I really want to do the bit. So that you know that makes for uh, that makes for good internet TV for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's good stuff. Uh, let's get back to DFS though. And you mentioned like how hard it is the past couple of years, and uh, I, I guess that will contribute to what your breakdown is, right? Like cash versus GPP. I know if I asked you a decade ago, or I don't know, maybe even five years ago. I mean, I feel like a lot of people were still kind of hammering cash games. And I know that you play cash games because I listen to the Guildcast every week. Uh, it's it's great stuff. I would encourage everyone to check it out. But I mean, at this point, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. What is your breakdown of cash versus GPP each week? So, uh, again, you know, being very honest. So we do this show, uh, the, the Gale cast, me, Sammy Reed, and Nate Noling, where we go through our, our cash lineup every single week, right? So we, we do it after the games are over, you know, after the results have come in. And honestly, I think if I didn't do that show and people didn't enjoy it, um, I, I would not be I would not be doing it uh, nearly as much. You know, I think I would be like, 80% of my metal energy, 80% of my stuff would be all four tournaments, but I've kind of settled into a groove where I post all my games for the week. I'll generally get about you know 200 head-to-heads posted uh, and then join all the guaranteed double-ups on DraftKings. And then I, I really focus most of my mental energy on the bigger single-entry tournaments on DraftKings. So the SPY is the $100, the red zone is $50, um, and then normally I'll make another team, uh, you know, just to throw in like the Millie maker and like, I, you know, I'll just, you know, throw that in a couple hundred dollars worth of action. But, you know, a, a big thing for, uh, you know, DFS these days is just kind of figuring out what you want to be good at. Cause there's, is a huge difference between, you know, big field strategy, you know, like entering into contests with a hundred thousand people contests with a thousand people contests with 50 people. And I, I found that my, uh, style of play tends to work best for the, you know, slightly higher dollar but lower total number of entrance pools. All right, yeah, and and speaking of that, um, how many tournament lineups are you are you making each week? I mean, uh, cash and tournament. Like, do you just make one cash lineup and you run it in all of your head to heads and and your double ups, and then you have I don't know, maybe like ten to twenty different tournament lineups? How does that work for you? So I will make, I just put one team in cash games um, so I, and I'll just put that in everything. And I think maybe there's an argument that maybe your strategy for head-to-heads and double-ups should be a little bit different. Like maybe you want to avoid a team that uh, is, like you know, we talk about this a lot, teams that are really heavily duplicated. Like if there is, you know, kind of one obvious team on FanDuel or on DraftKings in a given week, maybe you play that in double-ups, but you do something a little bit different in head-to-heads. I, I don't do that. And then generally speaking, I'll make like in between five and ten tournament teams uh, on any given week on, uh, on DraftKings. Now, I used to do the... Um, 
the the 150 max, you know, you, you use the optimizer and everything. And what I found out is that uh, it's very difficult and those contests are so top heavy and it's very easy to go 16 weeks or 17 weeks or whatever with, uh, without winning. And, and I also wasn't particularly adept at that um, for, for, you know, main slate. So I, I have kind of abandoned that over the years. Yeah. I've noticed, you know, Mike and, and Sia, my, my co-host, they, it seems like they play more single entry and, and three max tournaments at, at this point in, in their DFS careers. Would you say that you kind of follow suit there? Yeah, I, you know, and I think that's kind of become uh, fairly standard. You know, I think you have seen um, some people who are really good at the tournament stuff. They do, you know, all their content around that. And that is what they spend their week focusing on, right? Like, it's all about, okay, what should my quarterback player pool be? What kind of rules am I creating? You know, do I want to have, you know, double stacks? Like, uh, what quarterbacks are worth, you know, not using stacked at all? And, uh, and things like that. And then you've also seen it go the other way where some people are like, all right, well, I'm abandoning that entirely. And I'm all about, you know, uh, entering into the, the, the single entry thing. And I think the, you know, the single entry and the three max pools, I think those are a little bit closer to the thought process of what someone would be doing in a cash game. So it's not, not that, not that you're, you know, just playing the most optimal lineup or anything like that, but it is kind of like, okay, What's the best play? What are my opponents likely to be doing? What are the chances that you know this game goes X Y? So I think I think they're a little bit more similar. Whereas um, the 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 mass multi entry stuff tends to be almost like an entirely different skill set. All right, so I did not mean for this podcast to be hijacked by breaking news, but I know it's crazy. I feel like while I've got you here, maybe we should react to these things a little bit. But uh, I am seeing that. Russell Wilson has been traded to the Denver Broncos. This is, I mean, it's pretty insane because obviously Russell Wilson, a quarterback of his caliber, uh, but not only that, like the Broncos, it seems like they are just a quarterback away. They have basically everything else set up uh, and, and then to a lesser degree, like Mike Williams went back to the Chargers. But do you have any like immediate takeaways on Russell Wilson to the Broncos and, and Mike Williams back to the Chargers? Uh, I feel bad for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who oh, are because it yeah. sounds like Drew. It sounds like Drew Locke is headed the other way in that trade. And again, like this literally happened like 45 seconds ago. So maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, maybe Trubisky ends up being the quarterback in Seattle. I, I've heard I've heard that bantered about. I mean, I don't think they can go into the season with Drew Locke and Geno Smith as the quarterbacks, but. No, just does not feel great for those guys and feels pretty good to be Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Alberto Cuibunum, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, Javante Williams. I mean, that is um that is gonna be quite the offense. Man, I mean, how high will the helium get on Jerry Judy, right? Like he's probably gonna be like a third round pick. And he was so bad. He was so (laughs) bad last year. I mean, the whole offense was bad, but he was especially bad. And you're right, he is gonna be like a third round pick. Oh man, that is Oh, that is just massive. Uh, Mike Williams, too, back to the Chargers. So uh, that probably ends like the Josh Palmer love. I don't know. Maybe they play him on like three wide receiver sets or whatever. But man, I was I was pretty excited about the possibility of Josh Palmer getting more run. Uh, let's get back into the, the DFS side of things. And this m- might be a foolish question, but I feel like I've got to ask anyway. How much of your exposure on a weekly basis is like DraftKings versus the field? So I pretty much just play on DraftKings. Um, and and by the way, it's sort of like a, 
like I know that that's not the most optimal way to be playing. The cash games uh, are are a little bit softer on FanDuel, um, and and you know Yahoo has guaranteed overlay every single week and their big tournament. Like there are, if I was playing DFS exclusively to make the most amount of expected value per possible, you know, per transaction as possible, that wouldn't be the way that I do things. Um, you kind of, it's just like, I'm a creature of habit and that's what I've always done. Um, I also had to pull a bunch of money off of FanDuel when I, I bought a house, uh, like, like eight months ago, I took all my, like, I was like, well, I have money here. I have money there. And I was just like, you know what, whatever, I'm taking all this money off FanDuel and, and buying a house. And I just, I haven't put money, um, back on, but yeah, I like 85% of my action in a given season is going to be on DraftKings, which I, I don't even think is optimal but it just kind of is what I do. Mm, Davis Maddock making money moves, <laughs> which on off FanDuel and buying a house. That's, that's pretty wild. Uh, yeah, look, I'd be lying if I said, you know, the first month or two into the season this year, I was getting crushed on DraftKings. I'm like, look, I've got to try something it's else. It's so man. easy to get crushed. I was like, you know, why don't I go to Yahoo? It feels like, you know, things are much softer there or FanDuel and just like try and, you know, win as much there as I possibly can. And I don't know, just like kind of compare and contrast to, to DraftKings, but you're right. I mean, you kind of led this all with, you know, it's hard. Like playing on DraftKings is hard, man. Like that's where the, the smartest people are playing. And, and you know, there's, uh, there's well, that, a lot of- that is a big change too. You know, talking about things that are changing. Um, the, the dominant content site used to be FanDuel. Like you tune into a live stream, a live stream. They're talking about FanDuel. They're referencing you know, FanDuel prices and things like that. And and last, I, I'd say five years or so probably is the most dominant change. But now, you know, uh, DFS article, podcast, whatever, they're, they're very likely to be using DraftKings salaries, DraftKings strategy, you know, because that's the thing is like the, you know, the strategy is very different on mm-hmm. DraftKings than it is on FanDuel. You know, double stacking, you really need to be doing on DraftKings, whereas like on FanDuel without the bonuses, um, you know, and, and only half point PPR, it's, it's actually like a little bit less necessary. Yeah. And it's kind of tough from a content creation perspective too, because you try to cover as many bases as you possibly can, but, you know, trying, I think you have to do more than just mention the salaries, right? So if, if you're going to talk about DraftKings, it's much easier to get deep into the strategy there where, you know, if you want to do DraftKings and FanDuel, it's like, you almost have to do two different separate like podcasts or streams because there's like they're just so different compared to like salaries and strategy half ppr versus full ppr the bonuses and all that fun stuff uh you mentioned double stacking which will lead us into lineup construction but before we do that i do want to take a quick break here Uh, but when we return lineup construction on fantasy football today dfs the wait is over the shy returns with new episodes on paramount plus what brings you to the show opportunity everybody get down a new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean outrageous. Just search 
The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. All right, so let's talk first about cash lineup, construction thoughts. And uh, in cash, this past season, I found myself, and maybe it's different for you, but obviously we'll talk it through. Uh, I found myself spending up more on the elite wide receivers and quarterbacks and just eating the chalk on low to mid running backs this past season. And I know usually in the past, you know, high-end running backs, they have the highest floor. They're the most projectable players. You know, DraftKings may be a little bit different because it's full PPR, but... Cooper Cup was just on a different level this past year. He averaged almost 28 DK points per game, almost four fantasy points more than Jonathan Taylor. Uh, The slogan of the podcast basically became fade Cooper Cup at your own risk. So uh, I don't know how you feel about that. But, you know, for me, it was paying up for the high end quarterback wide receiver Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams and then just really eating the chalk at running back when it came to cash games. Yeah, no. So, Sewer, you are definitely correct, both in cash games and in tournaments. You know, Cooper Cup was needed in the Millionaire Maker winner. I mean, I don't know how many. If I had to guess off the top of my head, I would guess four times probably he was in. You know, the highest scoring player of the week, the guy that you needed. And that is, um, that's not even, you know, this is kind of recent, right? That high-end wide receivers were actually more dominant. You know, part of that is, you know, of course, there are more timeshares than ever. Um, you know, the, the absence of Christian McCaffrey is is a big part of it. You know, McCaffrey, uh, when when he is active and when he's healthy, is is basically the number one player in fantasy. But you're right, the, the strategy did very much become, you know, injury replacement running backs. You know, your, your Daryl Williams, your Chuba Hubbards, your uh, Mike Davises, you know, things like that. Like all of that uh, definitely plays into it. And I thought I, I thought the field was maybe a little bit slow to adjust to that the first couple weeks. You know, uh, Jamar Chase coming out of the gates, you know, unbelievable. Devonte Adams having another unreal season. Cooper Cup, you know, the most PPR points uh, any wide receiver has ever scored. And um, you know, I, I actually am kind of wondering if maybe that swings back the other way this upcoming season because I believe that Naheem Hines is a unrestricted free agent. So if the Colts don't re-sign him. You know, Jonathan, I mean, Jonathan Taylor was targeted six times the final five games of the season for the Colts. And, and he was amazing through that time frame running the ball, but without catching the passes, that really impacts how many fantasy points you can score because the, the receptions are free money. McCaffrey should be healthy. Um, you know, who knows what's going on with Dalvin Cook and Najee here. Like, there's so much from here to now that can change. But I do wonder if high-end running back scoring does come back a little bit this season and there there might be a little bit of you know to, to gain there as Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill and those guys are you know these these nine thousand uh, dollar DraftKings wide receivers and and maybe they're getting outscored points per dollar by the running backs no I think it's a really good point that you bring up maybe we swing back in the favor of running backs and and I think it's a good point and one to consider for really all fantasy sports. I mean, season long as well. I mean, just because something worked one year doesn't mean that it's going to work the same year. So, you know, as a result, you know, Cooper Cup is going to start off with a much higher salary next year. And, you know, maybe you you, you don't want to pay up for that uh, at the start of the season. Maybe, you know, targeting high end or, or mid-tier running backs uh, will be the way to go. So I, I do think that that is a, a really good point. I mentioned... I listen to the Guildcast every week, Davis. You guys do a great job. I would encourage everyone to check that out. Check out the Swolecast, obviously the Takecast as well. All the casts. All the casts. Will Keenan Allen ever score a touchdown in, in your cash game lineup, Davis? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't. Th- I think I am just destined to run bad with him forever. And it's so frustrating because, of course, you know, I mean, Keenan, he's great, right? I mean, at the end of the day, Keenan Allen's great. He does his thing. But his 
range of outcomes are so narrow that in games where he doesn't get the 100-yard bonus, like even if he goes eight for 60 or whatever, or, or you know, it's just like he, he just gets dusted by T. Higgins going, you know, nine for 112 and two. Like it's just, it's so frustrating. I never get the big Keenan out explosion games, but those guys are are so valuable on DraftKings. Um, you know, that that is that is definitely one thing that maybe I could get a little bit a little better at just in in overall fantasy strategy. I mean, this is even true in best ball and season-long stuff is looking at some of guys, looking at, at boom bust players a little bit different and not necessarily guys, you know, like your, your, your McCole Hardman's or whatever, you know, the guys who can score the long touchdowns, but also guys who can just randomly wake up one week and get 16 targets or whatever, which is, you know, something that Keenan Allen can do. And that's, that's always something to think about as well. I was wondering when we'd get a McCole Hardman reference from you, Davis. So there you go. <laughs> I have to get at we least one. Uh, yeah, I mean, week six Gilcast last year, it was, it was one of my favorites. You just like ripped Keenan Allen. It was, it was great. Just go off on him. And I love that too, because like, you know, you guys are recording right after the game, the game's end on Sunday, uh, most of the time. And um, yeah, it's just like raw emotion. Like you guys just going off like, yeah, this guy crushed me. Like, so screw Keenan Allen, never playing him again. And then it's Mark, like, Mark Andrews. Mark <laughs> Andrews is the guy who did it to me the most. Uh, oh. There were, there were several times Mark Andrews has done it to me, but one week, I want to say it was like week eight, 2019. He dropped a touchdown that would have given it, also would have gotten him over the 100 yard bonus. It was like a 14 point swing. And it was, it, everyone knows Mark Andrews has the drops. And I just, I have such a clear memory of it just being right in his hands. He's in the end zone and it just slips out. That, playing, playing NFL DFS cash, you will, you'll get a lot of moments like that that are. Uh, extremely frustrating. It's not great for your mental health. Uh, anyone out there who's considering it? <laughs> Let's move over to GPPs. We uh, obviously you you mentioned uh, earlier. You know what kind of formats you like to play in. Your favorite tournament that you like to play in as well. Uh, what about just game theory, right? Like so, you mentioned earlier double stacking, and of course, just like stacking in general is huge in DFS. And I, I understand why it makes sense from a, a GPP perspective, like if you find the game, the under the radar game that's like gonna go off where it could be potentially lower owned, uh, obviously you can create so much leverage on the field by, by just scoring fantasy points from players that uh, other people don't have in their lineups, obviously. But I felt like early this season, I was forcing stacks and bringbacks in spots where I shouldn't have. I mean, have you found yourself doing that? If you look the past couple of years, especially, it's like people are double stacking and triple stacking and, and find, finding ways to, to bring play, players back on the other side. Whereas I don't know that every situation calls for doing that, especially when making GPP lineups. What do you think? I mean, the, the cop-out answer is that uh, it doesn't work all that often, but when it does, you know, you just have these super unique rosters with like, you know, guys who are 2% owned, you know, maybe even, maybe even less than that. And also it does increase the correlation. Correlation is super important. Uh, I mean, there, you know, there are people who are smarter than me, better DFS players who can explain this in a, in a different way, but kind of the, the, the hack way that I've explained this in my brain is correlation makes the price wrong, right? Because like the, the idea is that all of these players project for, you know, their X amount of median points, but every touchdown pass that Patrick Mahomes throws to McCole Hardman makes it more likely that Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro are going to need to throw more. And every time that Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro complete a first down, whatever, move down the field, score a touchdown, that makes it more likely on the other side that Mahomes is then going to have to be throwing more passes to Travis Kelsey. It's like, it's, 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 um, 
like if you go into any projection software or whatever and you start to fiddle with things around it, oh, I moved the team total four points higher for the Denver Broncos. Well, all the median projections for their players went up. I moved their pass rate from 48% to 60%. Oh, that really changes, you know, X, Y, or Z. So that's kind of, that's, that is why stacking is so important. I will say, I think people probably did get too comfortable with the double stack, double bring back, and especially, you know, doing it in games where uh, it, it was not optimal to be doing so. But it's, you know, again, it's very easy to say, well, it's not optimal when it doesn't happen. Then again, because it's, it's also all about creating leverage on the field and having your incentives not aligned with your opponents as well. Yeah, I think the example that I use a lot this past season was, you know, obviously you want to target teams that have high implied team totals on a weekly basis, but, you know, if if there's a massive spread in the game, like let's just say the Bills and Jets for whatever reason, you want to stack Josh Allen with Stephon Diggs and, and Dawson Knox. I mean, a spot like that, like maybe it, it, it probably doesn't make sense to bring players back because A, the Jets' offensive efficiency is, is just terrible. Uh, and, you know, they're... They have a huge, there's a huge spread in this game for a reason, right? Like, just like the Bills implied team total is going to be really high, but the Jets, you know, it's going to be really low. That's the most obvious situation where I think people were overstacking, where it would be like the Bills against the Jets, the Chiefs against against the Jets, the Bills against the Jaguars, or the, you know, the Buccaneers against the Falcons or something like that, where it's like this, this, the, the underdog team here has like a 17 implied point team total you know the the better ones for those are sort of like the 48 point total between the i don't the the vikings and the packers or or the vikings and the rams or something like that you know where it's like good players on both sides um you know both both quarterbacks are pretty adequate nothing about the game is jumping off the page but if you know one team gets ahead early a long touchdown gets scored then you're viewing yourself at a potential shootout all right, I got a few more questions here before we wrap up. I don't want to keep you too long, uh, but do you track your winnings on a weekly basis? I know, you know, watching guys like Adam Levitan, he does like a season recap where he talks about like all of his like ROI on cash games versus GPPs and so on and so forth. Are you doing something similar throughout the course of the year? Yeah, I mean, I I have a I have a spreadsheet where I uh, I just keep track of the money that I entered and the money that you know money entered money returned at the uh at the end of the day also uh i mean there there's software out there that will do that for you as well um when i was like more seriously seriously grinding dfs you know trying to make it um like you know more than like i i am i'm more than a dfs hobbyist but i i i don't uh i don't play it you know with the idea that like oh this is going to be a significant chunk of my income uh as much these days, and I, I did. I use the Roto Tracker software. Um, I think I, I actually think I still have it, but I just do the I do the spreadsheet for NFL DFS. And honestly, I mean, it is a good idea just because it's pretty easy to it's pretty easy to convince yourself you're winning or, or breaking even, even if you're even if you're not, especially if you're playing like a bunch of different sports at the same time too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, betting recently be- opened and became legal in New York, so I, I've got myself a little uh, Google sheet myself where I'm, I'm kind of tracking there to see, like, all right, I mean, how profitable is this over the course of time? So, uh, so right. far, it's, you know, it's it's been okay. It's you know, more winning than losing, but uh, yeah, I, w- I would encourage most people, you know, if you're playing semi-seriously and, and investing a decent amount of money into DFS or even betting for that matter, you know, you might want to track your bets and track your lineups and, and see how everything is going there. 
Davis, I know you play, you do a lot of best ball drafts as well, and I think overall uh, in the DFS industry, there is a lot of crossover between DFS and uh, best ball content. So, um, what what kind of ways do those correlate? Right, like DFS. I know obviously stacking, but you could do the same thing in, in best ball. I mean, what are what are some ways that you see similarities between those two? You know, I mean, really at uh, at the end of the day, it's just thinking about. D, uh, thinking about the the fantasy sport you're playing as a game and not as an extrapolation of a sport, right? And I think, I mean, I think this is a huge problem people have in fantasy in general is being like, what player is good, or I think this player is bad, or like, I, like thinking about DFS as a game is much more interesting than I think this team is going to score a lot of points, and I think best ball is very similar, especially because roster construction is so interesting in best ball you know think like uh, for example underdog added you know the two extra rounds this year and so everyone's like oh well yeah i'm just going to take three quarterbacks every single time but then that goes okay well if 10 teams in every draft are taking three quarterbacks does it actually make more sense to have the unique roster and say i'm a, i'm going to take 13 wide receivers or whatever uh you know 11 wide receivers and or or an extra two extra running backs an extra tight end and and so i just think in general the skill sets that really translate are you know thinking about the games as a game and not just as a translation of how well you understand football yeah i've noticed the past couple of years obviously i host the fantasy baseball today podcast as well and i've looked at it more as which players can return the most on investment. So, I mean, I, I guess that's not, I'm not really looking at things from just like a, pol- a pure baseball perspective, but more so as, as like a game, like where can I gain the most advantages throughout the course of this and and finding players that can return that, that you know, the most investment, whether it's in the middle, later rounds, whatever it might be. So uh, I think there's obviously some crossover there between, you know, best ball. I mean, look, you're trying to find players, you know, later on in your drafts that obviously can can hit big. I mean, are, are there any players or, or teams or maybe stacks that you find yourself kind of gravitating towards? I know uh, we were talking beforehand, like you haven't done too many best ball drafts yet, but uh, I have a feeling you're you're going to do quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely will be. Uh, I definitely will be getting pretty deep into them here pretty soon. Uh, I mean, the the team that I find most fascinating right now without information is the Cowboys because I think they're probably going to add a rookie wide receiver, you know, whether it be Traylon Burks, Jameson Williams, whoever, uh, they're, they're going to cut Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup is not going to be ready by week one. They just franchise tag Dalton Schultz. And, you know, they also were carrying around this huge anchor, right? They're, they're carrying around (laughs) Ezekiel Elliott when Tony Pollard clearly, you know, looks better. And I get, you know, Tony Pollard did have a thousand yards and six touchdowns this most recent season. And especially in best ball, when you don't have to choose when to start him, those are, you know, very usable numbers. So I, I think that, um, like the secondary Cowboys, I'm just really interested to see how high can Dalton Schultz go. If the Cowboys do draft, Traylon Burks, you know, is he going to be going where Jamar Chase was going in drafts this most recent season? Um, if there's a bad update on Michael Gallup's health, you know, is Michael Gallup, like if, you know, we get to June and Michael Gallup is, you know, behind schedule in his recovery, do they re-sign Cedric Wilson? Do they, you know, sign Isaiah McKenzie in free agency? Do they trade for Cole Beasley back, right? Because the, the Bills said, well, you know, we'll, we'll let you explore for a trade. Like, there's just a lot of ways they can go. They scored the most points in the NFL in this most recent season. And, um, yeah, just, they're, they're going to look a lot different this upcoming year. So I think that'll be interesting for the market to digest. 
All right. When it's all said and done, by the time we hit week one of the NFL season, how many best ball teams are you going to have? Week one, I bet I'll have 500. I bet I'll have 500 <laughs> best ball teams drafted. Because let me, let me tell you a life hack. Everyone listening to this, great life hack. Wake up in the morning or whenever you go to the gym, get on the Stairmaster, put it on six, and just be like, I'm going to do five drafts. I'm going to do 10 drafts and just sit there for an hour, hour and a half, and you'll you'll burn, you know, 800 calories or whatever, and you will have you and and the time will just go by like that. That is my that is my number one life hack for people these days. Jeez, are all these like 10 or 12 teamers? I have seen some people do like, you know, 16 best ball leagues and 14 like what what's your favorite way to play them? I just do so I don't do any of the, you know, cuz there is a cash game equivalent in best ball, right? You know, just self-contained three-man, six-man, 10-man, 12-man leagues or whatever. I which you know, if I had uh you know, if I had if I had infinite time, I would I would play those. But I just I mean, you know, again, so we're all, we're all out here trying to find life changing money. So you know, I'd love to win the stupid million dollars playing uh <laughs> playing fantasy. So I'm I'm all I'm all in the championship ones. You know, the 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 best ball mania, uh, FFPC has a best ball championship. All of those. And where are your favorite places to play? Is I know Underdog's popular. I know DraftKings has uh, best ball drafts as well. I'm what's what's your favorite place to play? Yeah, I'm all about I'm all about underdog. I mean, and and honestly, you know what? Very similar to what I was just talking about with DraftKings is underdog the the smartest place to be playing. Absolutely not. Go into any draft on underdog, and you're gonna be like, I know that guy. I recognize that guy. I listen to that guy's podcast. This guy's doing a stream of this draft right now. Um, you know, I, there are there are other places to play that are are a little bit less. I mean, the DraftKings best ball drafts. Um, and I've heard FanDuel is going to have them this year as well. They they had it last year, but they didn't have a championship. I've heard that is going to be changing this year. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Um, but those drafts are are way easier and way softer than than the underdog ones. But the underdog, the, the thing is, is the underdog app is just so easy right. to do exactly what I was just talking about, which is, you know, just sit sit there, Stairmaster, crank it out, get it done. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, all right, before we wrap up here, for those watching on YouTube, that's youtube.com slash fantasy football today. I see you've got a nice little uh, Mac Miller uh, skateboard deck there in the background. And I know that you're a big Mac Miller fan. I'm a big Mac Miller fan as well. Was. Rest in peace, of course. Uh, what do you got? Who's who's? What's your what's your favorite album, favorite song when it comes to Mac Miller, if you've, if you've got a go-to for him? Wow. It's a favorite, loaded, I mean, favorite, loaded question. Fa- yeah, favorite album, Swimming, I think, is is pretty clearly his pinnacle um, as an artist. It would have been very interesting to see what circles would have been like uh, had he been alive through the entire production. Though, uh, from listening to the, um, there's a great Apple TV segment with um, Zane Lowe hosted. I don't remember the name of the guy. I should remember the name of the guy who who was like the the producer of the album. And uh, I mean, he did make it seem like he was pretty clear uh, with with what Mac wanted. But I, I don't know if you've heard this. There is, I mean, there was a pretty persistent rumor that swimming and circles were, you know, the two thing. And then he was going to have a, a third album out in this like group of albums that was going to be like back to just rap music, like no more. No more guitar, you know, no no soft horns. Like it was just back to like rap, rap, rap music. And I I wonder if any of those recordings exist, if he had ever um, gotten back to that. Favorite song though, 
I mean, it's you know, it it uh, it would change. It would change by the day. I would say my favorite one right now is Days Before, which is the one that he did with Young Thug that he literally recorded um, like the week before he died. And th- this song has been out forever via a leak. Someone on someone on Fantasy Twitter sent me this huge zip file, and uh, uh, I, I, I I'm forgetting who it was, but they sent me a huge zip file of all these uh, of all these unreleased leaks, and this song was on it, and it just came out officially on Young Thug's album like a month ago. Oh, sweet! I actually haven't heard it, so I've got to check it out. There, uh, yeah, man, swimming was awesome. Look for anyone who hasn't listened to Mac Miller; it's like this culmination of like he started playing hip hop, but then he kind of like moved into like groove and jazz and like rock and like introduced all these different kind of elements. And uh, it was really awesome to see his growth as an artist. So I I would recommend anyone who hasn't listened to Mac Miller before uh, to check it out. Of course, 2009. I mean, that's a song that like always gets me. It's like, if you've, if you haven't seen like the tiny desk concert, anyone out there, like it is just amazing. So I I would encourage everyone to check it out. I always go back to the mixtape Macadelic. It was like the one I listened to most when I first got yeah. into him and I was in college at the time and, and it just like resonated with, with me. We we're like the same age kind of guy and I'm just like, this is awesome. I love this guy. I'm going to keep listening. But yeah, it's like, I always go back to Macadelic. Did you ever get to see him live? I did, yeah. I got to see him live in the Manhattan Theater back in 2012. So it was, uh, he was touring, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was 2013, he was touring watching movies at the time. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I saw him a bunch of times, I saw him four different times, but the, the yes. I saw him on his very first, like, outside of Pittsburgh tour, I saw him in a, a bar in Lawrence, Kansas, with like, charitably, like, 200 other people were there, like, not wow. even, not even, like, a soul, it was, it was um, right when kids had just first come out. Um, like the, like the, the Donald Trump song, it was like, just kind of like making its way through the internet. So that, that was, um, that was like early 2010. That, that, that was like my best, my best memory of seeing him live. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, you go way back with Mac Miller. So that is, uh, that is amazing. I appreciate your time, Davis. Of course, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Davis Maddock. That's M-A-T-T-E-K. You can listen to him. The Take Cast, the Gill Cast, obviously the Swole Cast. A lot of those are in season throughout the uh, NFL season. So make sure to check those out. Of course, you can find his work over at SportsGrade. Is there anything else that I haven't mentioned that you'd like to promote while you're here? No. Uh, yeah, everyone can can watch the Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. They can listen to the Take Cast. Uh, and if you just search my name on any any podcast platform, you'll you'll find all the shows. All right. Make make sure to say hi to uh, Craig Mish for me. I know he's he's down in the dumps. There's no baseball right now, so send him my regards. Yeah, I will. <laughs> he's he's struggling. He's struggling. <laughs> all right, man. We're gonna wrap there for Davis. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching this edition of Fantasy Football Today DFS. We'll be back uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks. We will see you then. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.